0: One, two, three.
1: Welcome to Three Song Stories, the podcast that wields musical memories like a sort of friendly weapon on our guests to get to know them through the lens of how music has become entwined with their lives. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest today is Dylan Daladonis. Dylan's a music industry professional and boating and water sports enthusiast. He's worked in the music, TV, and film industries for multiple companies. He attended University of Central Florida, where he studied entertainment management. He then moved to Nashville for about two years to work in the music industry but right now is living here in Florida because of COVID-19 his most recent job which he is currently furloughed from because of COVID-19 was working for creative artists agency where he assisted in the tour and festival booking process. Dylan was born and raised in Florida, he says, with a passion for music, film, and being out on the water. While growing up, he was a tour guide on a couple of boat charters and for water sports companies. In his free time in high school and college, he worked to get into the music and film industry by helping with festivals and throwing concerts, which he says led him to meet some amazing artists and gain more insight into how the entertainment world works. I met Dylan via my work as technical director for the Fort Myers Film Festival, and since he's always been a character there, I look forward to getting into his song stories here. Hey there, Dylan. Howdy. How you doing? I'm all right. It's nice to see you in a different booth. Right? (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to add up all the times I've talked to you over the last however many 10 years, probably. It's been probably 30 minutes... All within about four feet of one place. (laughs) Yep.
0: Right up in the second story booth of the Sydney Byrne Davis Arts Center. How
1: did you get involved with the film festival
0: originally? Freshman year, I was in marching band with a man named Jordan Axelrod. I thought there was a Jordan connection. Yep. Um, I think it was a senior by the time I was a freshman. And he's like, are you into film? And I moved to Fort Myers at the start of high school. Okay. And so I didn't know a single soul. So I was like, I'm just going to try to do everything. I knew I liked film and TV beforehand anyway. And Jordan told me about the Fort Myers Film Festival when he was volunteering. And so he drove me up there. And that's where I kind of met like Justin Verley, Eric Raditz, all those people when it was, I think it was like the third year. Uh-huh. So it was just a baby then. And then – uh Been there ever since. Every year except for the years I was in Nashville. Where'd you come
1: from when you came to Fort Myers? Daytona Beach, Florida. Daytona Beach? In a little town called Port Orange, Florida. I've heard of it. Uh, Were you, like, bummed out about coming to Fort Myers?
0: I was pissed. Yeah? Yeah. I was pretty pissed. I mean, when you're in middle school and don't understand that you're moving, and like or why, except for the fact that your dad is getting a job offer, Um, essentially what was happening was a company was buying the course that my dad was working at and my dad's boss gave him the option to work at this new course in fort myers golf and then, course yeah a golf course and he'd be able he'd be able to potentially become like a regional manager and manage a couple of them and he took that instead of risking it and having the company either have the option to fire him and bring in their own guy or keep them and i'm pretty sure like 3 months after we moved like they fired the entire staff. So, we're lucky we
1: moved. <laughs> ah, well understood. Okay, well uh so there in Daytona Beach, so you lived there until you were what, 15, something like that. Yeah, 14. Were you there the whole time? Yeah. What was the musical background around you during that time in your life? Yeah, so Were you like on the beach? Uh no,
0: we were like 10 minutes, 10 15 minutes. Understood. Yeah. Um all it took was a little road to get to the bridge, but my main breach into music was Primarily through my dad because he's a huge Elvis fan, and ah. back in his course, he would he would actually become an Elvis impersonator on like special holiday times, and I would play with him like me and my brothers would play with you him as he's impersonating do this Elvis. Too. Yeah, <laughs> and so we were just like drumming in the I was drumming in the background, my brother was playing guitar, while my dad had like the whole elf, outfit for Elvis on. Um, he was also huge into CCR and John Mellencamp. So um, that influenced me a lot. Did, and he my ever,
2: did he ever drag you guys to Graceland or anything? Yes,
0: we've been there at least four times. <laughs> also, also. How recently? Um, I think three years ago. Okay. Um, we he came to Nashville this past summer when I was still there, um, and he we were driving to Nashville and there's a little sign that says Memphis two miles away, and he's like. Trying to veer <laughs> off to get into the exit, I'm like, no,
1: let's just go to my house first. Um, when you were a kid, were you like, hey, friends, my dad impersonates Elvis? Or were you like, hey, oh, I kids, so I got nothing? <laughs> yeah, I kept it quiet. I kept it quiet. Uh, and so you mentioned in your bio that you are into water sports and things like that. Yeah. Is that because you were there in, you know, Daytona suburbs? Yeah.
0: Yeah. A lot of my friends were either fishing or surfing. There was nothing in between. Um, and no fish or surfers? No fisher surfers. <laughs> That's a little bit too dangerous. There's a couple of paddleboard surfers out – I mean paddleboard fishers out here. But, um, yeah, so when I moved here, it was weird because there was no waves. So uh-huh. I was like, I'm going to have to figure out to do something. And so when I was in high school, I started working on boats after I finished working my dad's golf course because um, I loved it more and more money. So much more money. So. Boating industry is pretty nice down here.
1: So when you came here, was it like you know you were surfing? I'm not surfing, skiing and things like that, or just getting out on the water in a boat? Getting out on the water. I was also
0: doing paddleboard tours, um, teaching people who are not from here, not even from this country, just how you can stand on a board in the water and not fall. Um,
1: it seems impossible. Yeah, it seems impossible to them. It's pretty funny. <laughs> it's like one of those uh, one-wheel yeah. roller skateboards that people oh. <laughs> go around. Yeah. I'm like, you are defying the laws of physics.
0: Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> the best thing you can do is fall into the water. Cause after you fall into the water, like that's the worst fear is right. that you're going to fall. And then once you're in there and realize it's not that bad, you're calm. Your legs are not shaking anymore. Right. It's perfect.
1: Uh, presuming so, you can swim. Yeah, so usually I try to get them to fall in first. <laughs> push, push them off. <laughs> um, so back to Elvis real quick. What was your mom doing with uh, the Elvis thing? Was she? Or what was her musical taste? Um,
0: she was country and classic rock. So I remember she had two albums that we listened to on repeat almost like for five years straight. It was Cheryl Crow's Greatest Hits, I believe, or Soak Up the Sun album. And... Toby Keith's
1: I Love This Bar album. Um, And so that's all we listened to. And you could probably (laughs) sing all the songs on those albums. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. Earliest musical memory you can recall? Earliest. It's going to sound weird, but the one song I
0: remember hearing that, like, I was like, I love this song without my parents, like, showing it to me or anything on the radio. It was You and Me by Lifehouse. Do Hmm. you remember that song? I don't.
2: Oh my God! I remember Lifehouse, but I don't grunge. think I know that. Yeah. yeah, it was
0: like the post-grunge.
2: What day is that? Yeah, yeah. They, they sounded, they sounded like um, kind of like Creed. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, <sighs> yeah, so I re- I remember there. Lifehouse. Wow, that's I haven't thought of them in a,
0: right in at least a decade. They were going on tour with um. The Goo Goo Dolls. Oh,
2: oh, um. And I
0: wanted to see them so bad because they were playing at a Sand Theater in Nashville in the fall. and Matchbox Twenty was also supposed to play. <laughs> it was like a ni- late nineties and early two thousands rock fall, and I missed it.
2: You and me and all of Yeah, that's
1: them. Yeah. Oh. Sing it for us, Dylan. Hand him what my heart. This clock never
0: seems so alive. <laughs>
2: Perfect. I just realized Perfect. That, I don't recall
1: that, but I like how it sounds, especially when you sing. Yeah.
2: <laughs> 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 I just realized that Lifehouse is like um like Pearl Jam ballads, right? Yeah. Like, Pearl
1: Jam. Hanging by a
2: moment. Yeah. That one? By With a playing on the end. That was in. That must have been in a dozen movies that oh year. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Them
0: Blink One Eighty Two. Mm-hmm.
2: They were everywhere on every album. First
0: music right. you soundtrack. you owned. And what format would it have been? So the first one I remember, like. Buying for myself, not my parents getting for me, was Kanye West's "My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy," and I for I didn't know that I bought the clean version at the time because I was in middle school, and I was like, "I just want this album; it looks cool." I mainly bought it for the album art. I wasn't a huge fan of Kanye at the time, but after I listened to that thing fully through, I became a huge fan. The,
2: the album had different covers. Yeah, which it had, one did you, know, you have? It was the girl with the skirt. Okay, like yeah. a kind of a ballerina. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Did, did so you said you didn't realize it was the clean version did you were you shocked when you heard the non-clean version yeah
0: uh, it was like <laughs> why does this song sound different when I was like when I
1: downloaded it off iTunes and I was like oh my gosh and now I realize but um, that could have album. changed the entire trajectory of your life yeah you know you could have been into like really dirty lyrics when you were 12, 12 right? and then it was I was like I was
0: in love with the songs that he did with um bon Iver um, and um is Kincutti. that how you say that yeah
1: that's what I learned today right <laughs> I thought it was Bon here, Iver.
0: <laughs> see, this is where my musical industry knowledge comes into play. I know how to pronounce artists' names. That's fantastic. Um, musical instruments? Drums primarily. Guitar primarily. Piano maybe. Maybe I can get away with one or two songs by like Justin Timberlake when I first started learning how to play so I can impress girls. Um, other than that, I had a little steel drum stint for a little bit.
1: Really? Yeah okay (laughs) that's interesting how did that happen I have to follow up on Um, that that's not something you just like hey mom would you get me a steel drum yeah so (laughs) I was in the marching band in high school and I was playing
0: snare drum and I think one of the songs we were doing or one of the songs in just regular band had a steel drum and I was like this is mine. I'm doing this because it sounds so cool and then after I quit marching band mainly because of work uh Too many things got in the way, especially with the film festival, and I was working for Lee School's TV at the time, and that was just way too much for me. Um, So after I finished that, I started playing guitar because I enjoyed that too, and I got a lot better at it because I used to be – I mean, I just would only be able to play like Margaritaville in middle school Can you still play
1: Margaritaville on the guitar? I actually forgot, but I know a couple (laughs) others. So if you were handed a guitar right now, you could play a little something. Mm -hmm. A little ditty little ditty. Please Here's, don't bring one out. I'm do you own uh
0: Richard? Uh, do, you, do you own a guitar? <laughs> um, my dad does, so I just steal from him. He Understood. owns like three Martins and then like four Gibsons. Oh, so, so he's, he's an active guitar oh, player. Yeah, very active, yeah. Oh. He's obsessed. He, d- he goes through these things where he'll learn like a couple popular songs from one artist, like by the songbook, and then just play those for like five years straight, and then he'll go on to a new artist. So oh. he just finished CCR, and now he's on Tom Petty.
1: That's pretty cool. Mm. Um, Okay, about time for your first song, but real quick. You went to Fort Myers. Yeah. So you were out there marching on the field with Sammy, Coach Sammy coaching. Mm -hmm. Coach Sam Seriati. I I went to Fort Myers a long time ago, and um, Coach Sam Sr. was my golf coach. And halfway through my four years of high school, Coach Sammy took over for Coach Sam. But the great thing was is that because Coach Sam and Sammy are the football coach and the golf coach, or at least back then— the golfers kind of had a cachet that came along with football, mm-hmm. so I could leave class and go hang out with Coach Sam in his office and just kind of skip, and he would just cover for me. Those were the days. That's, know, what, that's right? what high school was like in the '80s. Back, and we could just get in and drive off campus, yeah. and nobody would stop us. Yeah, back when I was
0: in high school, because I was on the news, the TV news, uh-huh. um, and I always had videos that I like put on put on the air, um, which were usually like funny or informative quote-unquote, and... Um, we hope they were those things. Yeah, we hope they were those things. <laughs> and so, instead of, like... I, I did play, like, lacrosse for a little bit. Um, couldn't do golf because it interfered with marching band. But... Um, I was on TV a lot, so whenever I felt like skipping class, I'd be like, hey, I have to go film a commercial for this club. Do you mind if I uh, leave? And then they'd let me go, and then I would just like chill for an hour with some random teacher and then I could walk back to class. With well, the then we've right?
1: have, we've got that in common. <laughs> yeah. Okay,
0: um, uh, time for your first song. Ooh, first song. So when I first entered into Fort Myers, like I said, I moved. So I didn't know every anyone, so I broke into doing everything, um, which kind of made me become, like, a little jack-of-all-trades, which was nice. But the main issue with that was that I never, like, fully went into one friend group because usually the people who are in those clubs or a part of those teams, they, like, all hang out together and that's it. They don't talk to really anyone else. Um, And I was, like, kind of talking to everyone, so I never felt like I was fully into one group or, like, fully belonged uh, until, like, my junior and senior Then I met a great group of friends that I still talk to every day to this day. Um, but this first song kind of reflects on it. It's also one of my favorite bands, uh, rock bands of all time. So I think it was a perfect mesh of what I was going through and what I was feeling at the time and how even though I didn't fully fit in, I was still having the time of my life in high school. Like, I was one of those people who realized this was, like, one of the best times it's ever going to get um, before it ended, while it was still happening, so that
1: was nice to have were you like the kid from Rushmore Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) does this song was this song a song you were listening to at the time um no it was a song
0: that was introduced to me by Eric Raddatz actually at the Fort Myers Film Festival um I knew a couple of their songs but not that one and Eric showed me it before we went to a surprise concert they did at the ranch for a radio show um and then when I saw him live there and heard that song perform live I fell in love immediately well, you want to listen to it? Yeah, let's do it.
1: Okay, this is um, Motorcycle Drive. Motorcycle Drive by, yeah. rather. Uh, Third Eye Blind from their self-titled album, released in 97.
0: Never been so alive.
1: So where does that take you here, listening to it with us?
0: Well, there's a lot of lines that apply to it, but the main one that got me was uh, never been so alone and I've never felt so alive. Just being in the new city, not knowing anyone, and then kind of doing as much as I can to, one, Kind of find a niche that I want to do in life and then also meeting a bunch of new people that was exciting. Um, takes me back to high school when I was working on the boat, also working for Lee Schools TV, kind of figuring out that I also love film, also love working on the boat, um, being out on the salt water, um, just talking to people, kind of getting out of my shell a little bit because I didn't, I wasn't as, um, I guess you would say, You're out of your shell now. Yeah, out of my shell. (laughs) I've
1: never seen you Uh, in your shell, so that's interesting I wasn't much
0: of an extrovert, I want to say, when I was in middle school. Did you have to push
1: to achieve that, or was that just something waiting to come out? I think it was something waiting to come out. You're right. Yeah. You seem a natural. Mm -hmm. Uh, Was that the first song you had heard by them? No. First one was Jumper. If you remember that one. I don't. And I don't remember this one. That was the first time I'd heard it. It's a mm-hmm. nice song. It's kind of got a little love song to it. Is there any like person on the other end of that at all? Or is that just purely about life? Not really. Purely about life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Well, okay. Uh. TV. School. Mm-hmm. We didn't have TV when I was in school. Mm-hmm. That's how you got started in the world of media production?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's how I got started. Um, back then, before we got new cameras, like my sophomore year, we were working with tapes. So we had tape cameras and everything. So um, shooting on tape and yep. then
1: digitizing and yep. then editing and low-end video software.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And before that, because we had Kelly Metivia, um who was our teacher, and I think she even had us do like linear editing, too,
1: where if you mess up, you're done kind of R- thing. Right, right. So that There's was fun, too. No control Z. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, I'm going to ask you real quick. Um, the introvert in middle school would have been about a 13, 14-year-old. Mm-hmm. We usually ask at the end. What would your 14-year-old say, like who you are today? But what would your 14-year-old, I'm going to ask you right now, like where you are today versus the hadn't come out of his shell yet, Dylan?
0: (laughs) The one, I always say this, but the one piece of advice would be um, you'll understand when you're older. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good, easy answer. I know, right? I mean, I thought about that uh, a couple weeks ago and I was like, damn it, my parents were right. (laughs) They always go, you understand when you're older and it's like- Come on, Ma. Yeah. I mean, I remember John Mayer even talking about it in one of his interviews. They go, um, "What would you say anything to you when you were younger, when like you first got your record deal? Because he did like a lot of questionable stuff back then. And he goes, there's nothing you could have told that kid that would have stopped him from doing what he did. Like He just had to go through it to understand it. So I feel like um, I already knew when I was breaking out at 14 that I needed to be more of an extrovert. And so I— and understand more about like what I wanted to do with my life, and I feel like I wouldn't have having someone try to give me advice wouldn't have done anything because I probably wouldn't even listen
1: to him. What did you want to do when you grew up? "Quote unquote, be a film star, be a film star, a TV star. Are you still leaning up against that at all? Not at all. Not at all. Not at all.
0: all. I have no desire anymore. Now. Yeah, I'd rather work behind the scenes and make stuff happen than have to deal with all of the outside pressure that comes with being a film star and not being able to mess up publicly at all and all that stuff you can screw up all you want (laughs)
1: uh you went to ucf yeah uh how many years did it take you
0: four and a half because i was in nashville half the time
1: gotcha um so i had to do part-time classes because i was also being an intern do they still call it you can't finish yes okay (laughs) i went there in 1990 for a semester and a bit and I saw in your bio, or I looked it up somewhere, you, you belonged to a fraternity? Yeah. Which, yeah which
0: one was it? Theta Chi fraternity. Are the teaks still around? The
1: teaks are still around. I
0: was a teaks teak in 1990. Still, oh, my
1: God. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't still live in that shitty little house at the end of the cul-de-sac, do they? Oh, they might. No, no, they live in an apartment
0: complex that they just, that they moved into. I remember going there my freshman year.
1: But, yeah, teak. Uh, goodness gracious. Goodness gracious. That's my grandma used to say. She would have said it too when I got my 0.75 GPA my first semester because I joined the frickin' Teeks. Oh, my God. So you studied what there?
2: I have no idea what you're talking about. Talk talk App
1: Epsilon, man. Come on. Okay. Fraternity, bro. I joined the fraternity that allowed me to drink as much as I wanted.
0: Yeah, I joined the fraternity that were like, we're smart and we do our homework, but um, we also have a good time. And I'm like, that sounds perfect. My mom would love that. Um, Party smart. Yeah. (laughs) My mom did not like the
1: (laughs) teeks. Most of UCF doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, you know, it was an authentic uh, fraternity experience, I'll just Mm -hmm. say that. So you studied what there?
0: So I first started studying out. it It was called TV Broadcast Generalists and quickly realized that I did not want to be in TV anymore. And everyone that I knew and liked... Um, We're going into this new major known as entertainment management. And they said it was going to be this whole thing where, like, they'll help you get internships at music companies, and they'll also teach you about, like, film and the theme park industry, which we obviously weren't into. 80% of the students who went into entertainment management went for music. Um, And they were going to, like, have us understand how music festivals work, and obviously for the first year that did not happen. So me and a lot of my friends basically much like the music industry in general still today, you have to learn everything on your own. You just got to learn it by doing it. There's no classes that are going to help you unless you have someone who is like an ex agent or manager for someone big, but most likely they're not going to be teaching at a, uh, university of central Florida. So, um, we kind of just did everything on the fly. We promoted our own show, um, for a fundraiser. One time we did a bunch of stuff where we had to invite people in the industry to come down, um, the Florida Music Festival we had it was hosted at UCF and we talked to like Kevin Lyman who was the founder of Warp Tour um, and we got like his information. So a lot of the stuff we kind of had to do on our own and then this the university would like help us along the way. Like if we needed funding for something, we had teachers who would inv- uh, professors who would invest into our ideas or events, which was nice to have. Um, so even though UCF like didn't know a lot of how to handle this major um they were very supportive of us like kind of doing everything on our own which is probably what a school would rather do than have to uh teach everyone well, yeah, especially right
1: of. there at the beginning how long ago was mm-hmm. that
0: so i went to ucf 2015
1: okay any idea if that program's become more robust in since or um i think so
0: i want to say so they're definitely With the connections we got through our club that we created and also through the jobs that we've gotten, um, we've, like, referred other students at UCF. Like, people would see on, like, LinkedIn or from me or they were – we were in the same club and I graduated before them. And they would be like, hey, like, here's my resume. Like, is there anything I need to do in order to get hired by this company? Like, what did you do? And so through there, we kind of became a filter for people who worked at these companies to recommend people from the same school. And so luckily, um, at least my graduating class and people above me and the people I started the club with, they're all doing great things in music now too. Um, So we've been able to kind of create a funnel system through those companies back to UCF and having them contact our internship coordinators over there and then having basically schools look at UCF as a more legitimate music business um, type college because normally they would only look at Belmont and Nashville or USC, or UCLA, or NYU, mm-hmm. but it's nice that Florida, at least in Florida, you have one school that is uh, becoming a much larger funnel for music industry personnel.
1: Cool. Um, when you got done, like, what was the arc between done at UCF and Nashville?
0: It was pretty wild. It was pretty wild. So what happened was my
1: sophomore year,
0: junior year, beginning of my junior year, um, So I was dating a girl sophomore year and then basically got complacent and content, too content. Um, So I wasn't really doing anything. And then we broke up my junior year, and I was like, I have to do something. Like, this is absurd. Like, I I wasted my entire sophomore year just, like, hanging out with her instead of doing things that I always wanted to do. Um, And so that's kind of leading up to my next song. But um, so... I took every single class I could that was on music business. I went to as many conferences as I could, basically raised enough money, then called off for like two weeks to go to like Miami Music Week, um, meet some people like Ultra and then other companies, work with Life in Color, which is a festival. Um, And through that, and then we also started our own concert um, club, like I said. And then we also decided to work with – Um, a local promoter in Orlando, and then help book shows into one of their venues. Um, So that all happened like my junior year for the first half and like a little bit of the second half. And then in that second half, I got a internship offer to go work for Hangout Music Festival. And through there, um, I went over there and we were like doing like setup and Designed for like the first two weeks, two and a half weeks, and then they figure out who you are and they interview you and they also have you talk to everyone in all the different departments, whether Mm -hmm. it's operations or even construction. Find out what your strong suit is. Yeah, artist relations, (laughs) talent buying, artist hospitality. Um, And so luckily I got selected to be one of the two kids who um, were doing artist relations. And so I was kind of the middleman between the festival stage and – the managers, tour managers, agents whoever are there um, helping them get their so you're passes. are right there in the thick of it. Yeah. Um, bringing their equipment to the stage if I needed to if the stage was small and the artist was small and they didn't feel like having a lot of people over at that stage they needed it for a much bigger artist playing at 2 o'clock kind of thing. Um, and so I was like kind of the point man for the smaller stages which was nice. And so went everywhere but I also realized that most of the interns there instead of like whenever they had a break, they were going to play. A sh- they were going to see a show or one of the artist slots, um, and I knew I wanted to get a job immediately. So what I did was went to all the agents on my free time and all the managers, and I was like, "Hey, I'm supposed to drive the artists to different stages and kind of cater to them. But if you guys want anything, here's my cell phone number. Just call me if you need a ride anywhere. Nice. Yeah. And so I drove a couple agents and managers around and got their contact information, which was good. And that led me to get an internship in Nashville. And so after that, I drove on over to Nashville to be a digital marketing intern for Average Joe's Entertainment. And there I worked primarily for like Colt Ford and a couple of their newer clients and Montgomery Gentry. Um, and that led to another internship at Big Loud and Maverick Management. Was this like time off college? I was in college at right. the time. Yeah, I was yeah. doing online classes. Okay, okay. So this is when I started going part-time. Were your grades suffering at all? A little.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a little Continue, bit.
0: continue. Um, yeah, instead of an A, it was a B minus. Okay. And my mom was, of course, freaking out. Um, and... So, yeah, then I got another internship at Big Loud Maverick Management where I was a management intern. And there I was doing just small stuff to help out with um, their day-to-day tasks. Uh, most of the clients that I did stuff for were Matt Carney, Chris Lane, Morgan Wallen. Um, Florida Georgia Line was under the label but and management group, but I didn't do anything there. Um, and a little bit of Mason Ramsey. He was a cool kid. He was the uh, Walmart yodeling kid. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you remember that video, yeah. <laughs> He got signed, which was pretty cool.
1: Um, And so then you finished that and came back and finished your degree, or did you finish your degree entirely online? Um, Or did you finish your degree? (laughs) (laughs) So
0: I almost did it. I was so close. Uh, So I got another internship right after that, which was paid in Nashville. And I was like, I'm not going to do an internship unless it's paid, because I have no money, and I can't stay in Nashville forever. And so uh, while still in college. So I got an internship at Creative Artists Agency which is um a talent agency they have film, TV, sports, and clients. they've been around a long time. Yeah, since the 70s, I'm pretty sure is when they started up. And so they were pretty big and it was a great opportunity for me to get in get my foot in the door like even further in Nashville in the music industry. And so went over there and did a bunch of cool stuff and then after that internship ended, they were like, "Hey, we need some floaters and a floater is essentially um, if an assistant is gone for an agent's desk, the floater will cover that desk. You're like a substitute a
1: teacher yeah. for the music promotion. Substitute business. assistant. Yes. Yeah.
0: So they're like, we need some temp floaters. And I know you got to you have to finish college. And one of the agents I was I floated for like his assistant quit. And so she was gone for like a, there was no assistant for like a month. They still had to interview a bunch of assistants. So I was on his desk for a month. And I was on another agent's desk for, like, three weeks, and they are like, Dylan, just, just not graduate. Just drop out. And, like, our company just allowed this new rule where you don't have to finish college. <laughs> it didn't work for us. They were dangling. They care it. more about experience than they do about a degree, which is a lot of companies. And I was like, I'm thinking about it. They were on one shoulder and your yeah. mom was on the other. Yeah, that was exactly <laughs> what it was like. Um, and I would have – I probably would have dropped out if I knew, like – this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Like, I don't need to work for any other company unless it's another agency kind of thing. Um, but I still was sure that uh, there's something further down the line for me. And if I wanted to get a job transfer transfer, or if some national, uh, international pandemic happens and I get furloughed, then uh, it would be nice to have a degree. Wouldn't that be crazy <laughs> yeah. if that happened? I know, wouldn't it be insane? You know, if you make that plan in 2018 and something like two years later happens. Um, so I went back fall 2019 um, to finish my final semester. I took like five or six classes and they're all in person and finally finished my degree and then came back to Nashville um, January 2020. And then stayed there until August because of covid
1: We'll pick that story back up on mm-hmm. the other side of your second song. What is it you alluded to earlier? Mm-hmm. It had something to do with your sophomore year. Yep. So
0: what happened was broke up with my girlfriend or my girlfriend broke up with me. It was mutual, I guess. I guess. And um, <laughs> I'm not mad at all. And we, I kind of said I had to do things to like, one, get over it, and two, to start my life. Um, I remember at one point I was just sitting in the car getting ready to go to Miami Music Week. Um, And I just came back from the Fort Myers Film Festival. And so I spent a weekend in Fort Myers, drove back to Orlando, finished a class. Then while I was in class, bought the ticket for Miami Music Week, which is like the week before Ultra Music Fest where you meet a bunch of um, industry people and like go to a bunch of free shows and stuff like that. So I just bought that ticket. And uh, getting in the car, starting it, getting gas. And I was like, all right. I, I think at one point I was like, this is the start of the rest of my life, like this moment on from here. And so just the rest of that year it was 2018 was like Hangout Music Fest, Miami Music Week, two internships with a promise of C- working at Creative Artists Agency January 2019. Like it was just a perfect year for me. Um, right after that. And it's kind of funny how that stuff usually happens after you um, break up with someone or in a relationship or something life-altering kind of happens. It's like the typical rom-com kind of story arc, but um, it's literally how it worked out. And I think whenever I hear this song, it perfectly plays into it.
1: Were you listening to it then, or was it something you associated later? Associated later. You're two for two on associating later, Uh, shall we? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh record year, Eric Church, from his 2015 album, Mr. Misunderstood.
0: Like he wrote it for me.
1: Yeah. Right? Isn't it insane? Hmm. Did you recognize that as soon as you heard it the first time?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember hearing it for the first time, and I was like, I just started about two years ago, because originally when I was listening to music, it was like instrumental I was in the marching band. I played guitar and all that stuff. So I was listening for that instead of listening for the lyrics. And so I think I probably have heard that song in 2015 because it was number one hit on country radio. And um, But I never like really listened to the lyrics. And so once the lyrics kind of came into play for me, when I just started noticing the lyrics more in songs about one and a half years ago, um, that's when it started to hit and love it. Eric Church is probably one of the best country writers out
1: there so it makes sense but it's definitely country mm-hmm. definitely country I'd never heard it before <laughs> um, do you have any connection to the girl who puts you on your path no nope, not anymore <laughs> not anymore nope. she's uh-huh. doing great
0: uh, I think her grandma still comments on my Instagram pictures and Facebook posts so that's <laughs> nice to know <laughs> at least her grandma's still into me
1: <laughs> you should ask her out for coffee I know right <laughs> Um, okay, you mentioned uh, it was uh, on the Country Radio channel. Mm-hmm. Do you listen to the radio for music?
0: Yes. So I do have Spotify and play that um, all the time. New Music Friday, Release Radar, all that good stuff on Spotify. I'm always looking for new stuff. Use Hype Machine online um, to find new acts and SoundCloud and all that good stuff. And... Most of my recommendations come from people in the industry who are like, hey, we just signed these guys. Come check them out. Hey, we're thinking about signing these guys. Come see this show. Um, But I will listen to the radio, one, if my phone's low on battery, and two, if I'm like, I haven't listened to the radio in a bit. I need to see what is popular right now. Right. Um, And, yeah, I I listen to pop music a little bit but not as much as I need to in in order to understand – what type of songs, and how certain flows of songs or certain notes are being re- played repeatedly on a bunch of different singles. So I'll, I'll literally scan the radio for like one to two hours just seeing what's being played, what's repeatedly getting played, um, how similar the songs sound towards each other, um, where country is going especially. I mean a lot of it is mixing with electronic music nowadays. You're getting country artists on DJ songs and all that stuff. So um, I'm just trying to see where the trends are going, at least with what radios are selecting for record singles.
1: You're doing like market research. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you ever come across an an act of some kind that you pushed up the chain and somebody was like, oh, that's really good. Thank you for finding that. Mm. It's hard
0: to say. Because I have recommended great artists who were signed by someone else because the people I worked for didn't sign them or didn't want to or just didn't even bother to check it out. Um, So that has happened more often. Um, Most of the time where I find an artist that I think is great, someone else already knows them and they already know the manager. And so I kind of connect with them and then we might go to um, an assistant meeting or an A&R meeting together and like present it um, or – Someone's like, I'll present this to this person in L.A. because – or this person in Europe because the band's based in Europe. Or I'll talk to this assistant in L.A. because the band's uh, based in L.A. Um, So usually that's how it works for me. Um, In country music, it's interesting because it's kind of like SNL in a way um, of how they have acts, like sign record deals. Usually you start out as a writer for like a couple years and once you repeatedly have I good gotcha. stuff right, right, and, they, and you want to become a singer and you want to be on the stage um, they'll give you that opportunity um, and that's kind of cool how it works like that I think that's a good way to know that you can be a consistently good writer is if you know like yeah I'm writing these songs for other people and it's cool that they're taking it but I have so much more stuff that I can perform that's going to be great too because most people are like aren't you worried that you're going to give up your best song to someone else, and that's not how a writer should think. Do you do any songwriting? No. Not at all.
1: Not in your wheelhouse? No. I'm terrible at songwriting. I've Um, tried it before. (laughs) (laughs) So you've done some songwriting. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Pandemic. uh, Furlough. Mm. Um, How depressed has the entire music industry been because of, and I don't mean like sad, I mean like, you know, numbers down. Oh, yeah. I know the live stuff has been just completely hammered. But what was that like for you to kind of see it coming and then watch it all fall down?
0: It was it was pretty insane because we were – I remember because I came back on in January and January and February, like, we just weren't even thinking about it. We were joking about it. Um, and then March came around, and that's when everything started hitting the walls, uh, at least of Nashville office. And once we saw New York and L.A. getting hammered by it, we were just like, all right, prepare for the worst because we had – like the best first quarter of live event um live events like in history hmm. of the music live music business um and then right after that it just plummets 2019 was the best year ever and 2020 was supposed to like almost double that kind of thing and just kind of just completely gets destroyed so when it's coming back and how it's going to and how it's going to evolve is essentially like a 20 billion dollar question mhm
1: well, you you were there till just, you said August, right? Mm-hmm. So The end of July. Uh, so at least, I mean, you weren't at least, you know, pushed out the door, you know, on March 15th when everything shut down. No, luckily. Um, yeah, that's all when it happened. And
0: luckily, I know I'll be back there. It's just a matter of how and when. And I think I'm going to definitely start doing a little bit more research into new music because now... Artists aren't trying to get money any way they can because mm-hmm. live music was the main source of income for every artist. Um, unless you have like a huge sponsorship deal or your record's just selling out no matter what, you're like your multi diamond. Um, it's, it's not going to work out with you uh, for you if you're just trying to release music. So everyone's just. Re- releasing stuff repeatedly, doing online live
1: shows, um, Zoom shows, and all that stuff. Does that scale? Do you think? I mean, to you know, to be able to have bands make it financially. I think it it doesn't,
0: especially for unsigned artists. For signed artists, they're doing okay. Um, I mean, okay is kind of relative, right, to how they're how they used to live or how they are living now compared to how they're living now, but. I know a lot of unsigned artists who are just releasing stuff just to get streams just so they can have a little bit more money in their pocket because all their money was from touring. Right. Like you have – I mean you have like a Fish or Tool or um, like Grateful Dead like, or uh, Unfreeze McGee. These are all bands that, yeah, their albums don't sell extremely well anymore but they sell out arenas like Mm. your average monthly listener on Spotify. You'll see that like unfreeze McGee is like maybe only having like 1 million per month. Um, but they're selling out venues that artists who have like five to 10 million per month are barely selling out of understood. Um, so that, and it's just because it's a touring, like people follow them, people love them. They're fanatics for it. Um, and now that there's no live shows, they don't like, they're not making that touring money anymore um, but i'm pretty sure they're okay i hope they're okay
1: but. I, I will say that i recently paid you know like 30 bucks or something to watch the Avid brothers they did mm-hmm. a live show from the like detroit motor speedway where they were they were out on the thing and everybody was in cars and stuff like that so i don't know if that scales national you know I mean, it could be you know if you have if you're a big act you know if you can get ten thousand people to do that that's yeah. real money you know
0: yeah it's just i mean I've talked to so many people who are like it's it's not viable just because of the cost to experience ratio in my opinion of it is it's it's unbalanced people are just doing things to do it right? to get out of the house rather than they're doing it because it's fun and they actually like genuinely love it as much as they would if they went to a show where it wasn't on, you have to stay in your car kind of right. thing um, they're doing it to do it and yeah. I'm doing it to do it but it's mm-hmm. not the same thing yeah and Mark Geiger calls it the uh, germaphobic economy. People mm-hmm. are going outside to do things. And then he's, and then he said uh, then there's the clashophobic economy that's going to kick back in, which is when all the worries go away, whether if there's a vaccine or it just dies off. And um, people are going to go out and do things that they want to do, mm-hmm. not doing just to do them, but it's something they would have done pre-COVID. Um, and so we don't know when that's going to kick back in but if it I mean, lasts... I mean, there's
2: some of that now yeah. where people are just... I've heard people say, like, it's been so long. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not the metric. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I get it, but like... Especially in Florida. Yeah. You feel like it's yep. just disappeared. The analogy that I use is, like, if there's a tiger outside your door today and then it's been, like, a year, but he's still there. It, I mean, he's still there. Like, even it's if be it's there. been... You've been in the house a whole year, but, like, but he's still there. So, mm-hmm. like, um, I, I wanted to know... Uh, who was it? Mike that, that put us on? Um, is it Quello? Q-, Q-, A- Q E L L O. Mm. Quello? Quello? I don't. Really? know. It's, it's that that. Quailudes? It's, it's that, so, that streaming that streaming service um, for concerts. Quibi?
1: No. That's quick. That's oh yeah, it was. Um, it was somebody. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was somebody. David Hintz, was it? David May- Hintz? Maybe.
2: Yeah, I think you might be right. There's a there's um there's like an online service. It's like Netflix
1: for live oh, yeah. concerts. Q E L L O. Yeah.
0: Kello concerts by Stingray.
1: And that's like archive stuff mostly. I think where it's you know mm-hmm. you can go back and watch you know the Grateful Dead in 1978 and you know whatever. Nine Inch Nails 1999 Woodstock performance. Right. Yeah. Best of all time.
2: So, I mean, even if you, like, if you signed up and canceled it, like, you can basically set a concert price for yourself for that. I mean, obviously, watching it on TV is never going to be, you know. The same. The same. Or close, I would say. But, but like, there's also that thing about there are these kind of famous performances that that you can't go back to anyway except for in this format. So
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I watch... At least once a week, Nine, nine Inch Nails, 99 Woodstock. It's just because it's so good. And I'll watch Fish performances all the time on, online because they're so good too.
2: There was a Linkin Park one. I didn't um, know there was
1: a crossover between country, Western <laughs> music listeners and Fish. And Nine Inch right. Nails.
2: <laughs> My sweet one. <laughs> I
1: know. Yeah, I'm lucky like that
0: where I that is kind I'm of... able to enjoy everything because I know a lot of people – and obviously, older people in the industry who are just like, I, I understand it. I understand how that's making money, but I just don't get how or why or why people listen to this. And it's nice that I, I at least know why people are listening to it. Um, yeah. And I get where I this is a hook. This is a really good hook. It's like a tackle box in here, and this will be a single on hip hop and R and B radio. I know it for sure. And even though I go home and listen to Third Eye Blind or like. Grateful Dead every day or, you know, your CCR John Mellencamp type stuff. And then I'll hear the song as I'm scanning through the radio. I'm like, oh, it's popping off. Here we go. And then I'll save it on Spotify. Like, if you look at my spotify light songs, you're going to be so confused.
2: Do you find yourself constantly analyzing what you're hearing? Or is it, able to, is it easy to turn that off and just kind of listen to the music to enjoy it?
0: It's easier to turn off. It's easier to turn off when there's a good hook that you're just, you're just like, I love this immediately kind of song. Um, and usually for me, it's a buildup in a sort of payoff kind of thing. Like does the buildup of the verse pay off in the chorus? Like what did everything I listened to in the verse, like was hearing the chorus or the guitar solo in the bridge or at the end of the song, was it all worth it? Mm. Was it worth my time? And if, I am either brought to a different place where I'm thinking about something while the song's playing, and it has to do with the song, like thinking about a memory, that works. If I'm just super excited because I thought the song was going to go somewhere, but it went somewhere even better, is another great thing for me. Um, but if the song is like, it's not made to have a, any sort of huge hook, it's just supposed to be technical or anything like that, where it's like supposed to sound really cool, maybe they used it like, A bird's Squeaking Mm -hmm. And they put it And mixed it And mastered it Into a different thing Yeah like Yeah mouse chirping That's what I was looking for Chirping (laughs) See how I almost Didn't graduate UCF Um, Yeah Um, And if they If that's kind of Their goal or the difficulty of the guitar that they're playing in the background, or if they layered a bunch of different guitar solos together to make it sound cool, like a polyrhythm or something like that. That's where I'll be like, all right, let me tune in f- my for like my technical ear. Hmm.
1: That's really interesting to me. It's like um, you know, it's like a whole new way of thinking you have a vocabulary and you have these categories and that all fits for you as you listen to music in a way that just doesn't for me. Mm-hmm. But that's really interesting. I I had never really given it that much thought, but clearly you and people in your business have. Yeah. Um, it's definitely,
0: it's definitely a thing where like you have to first understand where the artist is coming from and what they're going for. Cause there are like the lyrics don't have to be amazing or like something That Shakespeare would write
2: Or even in English Yeah, or or even in English can't understand it
0: But if you understand what they were going for And if you think they nailed it They're gonna do well Like no matter what Like you can have the dumbest lyrics of all time But if your beat is amazing And your hooks and the way you say those dumb lyrics are perfect And you know that this is a stupid song And you're just taking advantage of it Or kind of making fun of it Then uh, it works
2: so you're, in a roundabout way, you're telling us that you're a huge fan of Gandhi Baby Shark. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was gonna say Gangnam um, Style. Gums style. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it sounds like you'd be a big fan of Radiohead. I'm guessing. Oh, huge based fan on of Radiohead. Your description there, like
0: huge fan. I have a, a poster of. Oh, what's it in? What's the song? I'm gonna look it up. I've been listening to so much Radiohead lately, but I mean, In Rainbows is a classic. Mm. That's probably my favorite Radiohead album. And I have this custom poster that someone made for me. And I can't figure out what it is. Oh, it is um, Weird Fishes. And basically what they did was they created a um, poster that in the song, like the notes of the song, it's kind of like the sheet music, but it all has like fish in it instead of like the notes. (laughs) And it looks pretty cool. Yeah. Um, But,
1: yeah, huge fan of Radiohead. Uh, I saw them at uh, West Palm Beach years ago. It's pretty good. I wasn't a huge fan, so I didn't really know the songs except the hits. But, you know, Mm -hmm. it was a a memorable concert. Yeah. Um, Okay, time for song number three.
0: Song number three. All right, so this is probably one of my favorite songs of all time. Um, It's by one of my favorite songwriters of all time who I discovered about three years ago. And I've heard him in passing off of, like, soundtracks or something like that. And then I finally did a deep dive when my buddy who actually knows him pretty well was talking about him. And really cool dude. He Instead, of, when he's not touring or making any albums, he's like farming in Denver where he lives. And he like sells produce to the local markets. And whenever he thinks of a song lyric idea, he puts it in his barn slash studio on like a piece of paper. And so all along his barn, you see like, lyrics of songs everywhere, and I was like, I would totally go in there to do, like, a photo shoot. That would be the coolest thing ever. Um, But the first lyric of this song, when I first started listening to songs for the lyrics instead of just for, like, the guitar hooks or anything like that, um, this was one of the first songs I heard. And the first line just hit me like a brick wall. And it is... Um, remember when our f- songs were just like prayers, like gospel hymns that we called into the air. And Essentially what the song is about is one, life in general, how we can lose our way into going for something that's either going to make us a lot of money or it's good for us, but we may not be like super into it or passionate about it, or we started making money and now we're getting complacent or stagnant and losing our way and me dealing with, like, COVID and coming back here and reconnecting with, like, all my old family and friends because when I was in Nashville, I wasn't really talking to them at all. I was talking with new people, networking all the time, going to a bunch of different stuff uh, and events. So when I came back here recently, even before uh, COVID, like, super hit, I was like, I need to connect with my old friends, like, people who I was like, this is going to be the best man at my wedding kind of situation or – I need to learn how to appreciate my past in order to move forward and understand that I'm here because of all of them sort of thing. And I mean I say it all the time and it's something that I rem- that I thought of in my head and I was um, – because I joined the m- entertainment management thing because all my friends who I like trusted and who were go-getters, who I like admired at some point in my life – we're going to this major. Um, I joined the Fort Myers Film Festival because someone I looked up to, Jordan, who was a filmmaker, was going to do volunteer work there. Um, and one motto that I can compl- always um, try to say every single day throughout my life is in order to be a good, great leader, you need to be even an even better follower. In order to become the leader, like the head or um, the CEO of any sort of company, you need to be able to be able to understand that you're probably not going to be as good as you want to be or or as you think you're going to be, but as long as you follow the right people and um, follow your gut instincts on these people, then you're gonna do well in life so. Um, just having a good circle around you and I think this song really helps with that and helps me remind that r- r- helps me remind myself of those situations
1: and this version that I have is with the Colorado Symphony so mm-hmm. the album version does not have the symphony on it but does it no. have sort of symphonic elements?
0: no, it's it's
1: usually straight up I think it's straight guitar and okay. a little bit of
0: banjo and I just love this version so much better because of the symphony okay, this yeah.
1: is uh, The Stable Song by Gregory Allen Isaacoff yeah uh, 2007 album, That see The Gambler. Great record. That's real nice.
0: Right? I, I, never,
2: I never heard of him. I think that I now want to listen to more country and orchestra <laughs> <laughs> or symphony. Or yeah Like I, I just realized that I'd never really heard a lot of, I had not heard a lot of music with with those two elements together, but I think I really like it. Yeah. It
1: reminded me a little bit of Lord Huron, mm-hmm. except with less momentum. Yeah. Lord <laughs> like, Huron, yeah. every one of their songs is like, go, go, go. <laughs> <laughs> um, had you seen him live?
0: No, he isn't one of the artists that I need to see live before I die, either at Red Rocks or the Ryman Theater.
1: Um, how played, does, so it, how does it feel listening to that song through the story that you just told as far as like reconnecting to people here?
0: Mm-hmm. Well... You know, when he says, turn these diamonds straight back into coal, it's just like, go back to when I was grinding my ass off just to get a volunteer opportunity. Because um, when you get into those, like as you're growing, going up in the industry, like I got pretty complacent at times, or I stopped working as hard as I used to because, and not, it wasn't because I was tired, it was just because, like, all right, I did it, I'm here. Don't need to do anything else or just got to wait for something to come my way. And that's not how it should ever work. Um, So hearing that song kind of helps me like understand like I got to be willing to do any job. No no job is too small and just keep with it and hopefully it'll work out. Do things when, you know, I was a coal before it became a
1: diamond. I, uh, I walked into this building uh, in 2003 for a six-week internship. Mm-hmm. And in my brain, that was the job that I was going to work at and here I am. There so we go. I understand.
0: We made it, baby.
1: Uh, yeah. Um. Uh, so one thing that we've seen come out of the pandemic is people being able to work remotely. Can you imagine your industry being able to operate like it used to, with you not there or people like you not there? Or is it a by nature sort of a handshake, face to face business? They want
0: handshake, face to face. Right. It's doable. It's definitely doable to keep everything remote. But um and You know, most calls from promoters and agents are, you know, they're not face to face. They're over the phone or or some sort of thing. But connecting with other people in the office, which is a huge thing, I think that's super necessary is one to have, like, obviously good company morale, but two, to be able to connect with these people. Like, even though you're in music, you can talk to the film department if your artist wants to start acting, you know, Um, and being able to meet those people in LA and trust them enough. And that can't happen sometimes through a phone call. Sometimes you gotta fly there. Sometimes you gotta fly your artist there and introduce everyone. Like, hey, these are the people that's gonna help you get some parts, or this is the person who's gonna help you get a new record deal. Like I think that's just so necessary, but um it definitely is more doable. And I think since artists are now just continuing to release new stuff in order to um raise capital, it's just it's gonna, you know, keep more ears onto it and it's gonna keep more eyes on to new artists that are upcoming because like I said. If you're working at home, especially in this industry, like, you're obviously not in the office. You're not meeting a bunch of people. Your meetings are over the phone or can be handled by a simple email. So you're going to be looking for new stuff, and you're going to be finding new stuff. And it's the same for people who are not in the industry. Like, if more independent people release more music or more artists release more music in general— they're at home, too. They're not doing much. Um, so they're going to be listening for new stuff, too. You're going to get bored with the music you've been listening to for the past two months. You want to hear something else. Um, and you might even start looking, actively looking for something else,
1: If you were, which is um, the big thing. If you were tasked with, you, okay, we're going to hire you back, but we don't want you to work remotely, yeah. would you stay here, or would you go back and work remotely from there? I'd work remotely from there. Yeah, yeah. You have no desire to stay in Southwest Florida. It's not that I don't love Southwest Florida. It's that
0: I need to be able to meet with people in my company and outside of my company who are still in Nashville. It's just I need to be able to meet with them, grab drinks with them, um, kind of get updated on the industry. Because I know if I'm down here in Florida, I'm not going to stay up to date on everything. Just how it works out.
1: I understand. Um, Okay, we're going to pivot to some uh, fun stuff, and then we're going to speed round. Speed round. If you were a championship wrestler, what would be the song you came in on? You and Me by Lifehouse. <laughs>
0: okay, <laughs> no, it would probably be. Um, ooh, I would do. I would do the Pot by Tool. Do
1: you have any TV theme songs committed to memory that you'll sing with us?
0: TV theme yes. songs, yes. Mm-hmm. That I would sing with you, yeah. Or for us, you know. You'd, have you ever seen Community? Oh, yeah. Great show. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. At
1: least we were here by the yeah, end We could We could spend another hour with Richard and you guys talking about I could
0: community. I <laughs> can talk about community forever, right now.
2: man.
1: Uh, I, I,
0: we need to find a community trivia night because I, I will say everything.
1: Yeah. I know a guy that does a podcast about trivia. We yeah. should put that in his. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. We could yeah, be on could it. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, okay. Make sure you find the. Because, uh, I mean, Short I point. like the whole song, but yeah, let's see let's do do the do intro TV version? version. Yeah. Although they do use the full version in the episode that it's like at the end of the season because they weren't sure if they were coming back. Oh, yeah. Actually, they weren't sure if they were coming back like every season except for the first one. <laughs> okay, let me make sure I don't have an
1: ad here. Yeah. Okay. Stand by. Okay. Three,
2: right out of the gates. Two, yeah.
1: One. Give me
2: some hope, time in a dream.
0: Give me the hope to, to run out of steam. steam. Somebody
1: say it can be here. We can be roped up, tied up, dead in a year I, I can't count the reasons I, I should, should stay One by one,
2: they always fade away Bam, bam
1: <laughs> That community college is kind of like Fort Myers. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it looks like Fort Myers and... RSW, I guess it's called now, mixed together. Well, no, but I also just mean that, you know, what I was just kind of teasing you with was that, um, you know, I grew up here. I moved here as a third grader in 1980, and I have a lot of really good friends who either didn't leave or left for a while and came back. And because of that, and I'm not putting this kind of curse on you. Or just <laughs> when I think I'm out, pull me right back, yeah. back but, but in. But what I mean by that is, it's like I have this amazing network of friends and people who I know that over a long period of time in a place that ain't so bad. And they have that too in a way that, you know, I've, I've got other friends who just moved away and they're like, they got to just start over. And it's like, yeah. you know, but I guess some people do want to start over and you got to just build. I think that's what's good about Good for your podcast too Is that there's so many people Who do amazing things That are back in Fort Myers now Right That's what we're trying to highlight That's where it works out
2: um, Plus we're pretty big in Canada We're working mm. on it We're Good working Canada.
1: on it We've got another Canadian guest in the, in the works Hey my dad's Canadian Oh yeah So okay. I want to talk Canadian. to him um, Real quick You work for the Golf Channel yeah. What was that like? I have a friend who worked there Pretty for well. many years.
0: I was a uh, programming intern. So I helped with figuring out what we're going to film live and what was going to be just a rerun or, you know, basically slots for every single hour for, uh, I was there in 2017. So the 2020 and 21 um, sec- like, tour.
2: Is there a song you associate with golf?
1: I mean, other than.
0: I'm <laughs> <laughs> did
1: you ever work with Sharon Hughes by chance? No. Okay. No, I, did not. I have one of my best friends, Biff Brian Hughes, graduated from Florida Southern, and that was the same year that the Golf Channel was founded. And he mm-hmm. went to work there. He does. He's an artist, and he did vi- visual art and stuff. Worked for them for like fifteen years until just a few years ago, and they got bought out, and then he got let go. Yeah, I forgot yeah. I worked at Golf Channel for a little bit. I
2: forgot. I've had so Golf many Channel.
1: jobs over the past years, so. Okay, uh, another quick aside. I was scanning through your Facebook page. We're friends. I knew that. Um, you, yes. you, you have two Facebook friends that I went to high school with their fathers. Oh, sh- um, who are they? Brandon Knight. Oh, I yeah. went to school with Barney. He was all the in the back, drum line with me. All the way back to uh, uh, elementary school. Oh, I know good old Barney. Barney, man. He always came for our performance. He's the he best a man. man. I miss that guy. And uh, Hunter Zayner. I uh, went to Zaner. school with his dad, Robbie. Hmm. Yeah. Fort Myers High alumni shouting out. Oh, woo. Okay. okay, uh Speed round. Best concert you've ever attended? Grateful Dead. Um, it was Dead in Company with John Mayer. Okay. Uh, farthest you've ever gone to see a show?
0: Good question. Uh, probably Hangout. Pro- farthest i had gone to like see a show slash work it was probably Hangout.
2: Uh, what was what's?
0: It's about uh, people hanging out. Twelve-hour drive. Oh, hang on, music festival. Oh, twelve-hour drive. <laughs> yeah, uh, karaoke. Karaoke. Like, what's my go-to
1: karaoke song? Well, so that mean, must mean you do it. Yeah, I do it. I'm familiar <laughs> with the term. Well, some people are like, ah, you'll do karaoke. Yeah. I'll so, what's your go-to? Karaoke. I have a couple
0: go-tos. Um, "Lonely No More" by Rob Thomas, because that is just the one all the moms love. Um, <laughs> you know it too. <laughs> <laughs> that one <or>, uh, are <laughs> smooth That gets them going too um, Other than that I will definitely do Semi Charm Kind of Life By Throat Eye Blind That one's easy In the, in the brain Forever uh, you Dancer Dancer You know what A little bit Yeah I'm not going to dance In the studio
1: Well we didn't ask you to I'll break your equipment <laughs> um, but Last time you bought music That had a physical form I just recently purchased Like four
0: or five vinyls um, Last month um, I got Blink-182's Enemy of the State. I got one of Eric Church's albums. And I think I got a Beach Boys album, one of their albums. And also purchased in oh, – what's the last one? I can't – oh, Gregory Allen <laughs> Isakov. I got an at Gregory
1: Allen Isakov record, all vinyls. Album that you'll always want to listen to all the way through.
0: Third Eye Blind self titled Gregory Allen Isaac Hoffs with the Colorado Symphony and probably Um There's one more Led Zeppelin too.
1: Ooh, yeah. Overplayed song of all time.
0: Most overplayed song of all time. Good question. You know what? It's going to be Led Zeppelin 2. I don't I do not not Led Zeppelin II the album. Uh, I do not understand why they play Black Dog so much on the radio. There's so much Mutter, so many other great Led Zeppelin Ooh, songs. Yep.
2: Is that that riff's really good? And a and great that's riff. probably why they play it. But, <laughs> but it's <laughs> like, you know,
0: you got Dazed and confused, you yeah. got Rain Song, you got Dyer Maker. You're not going to you're not going to play those more than Black Dog. Mm-hmm. Come on. <laughs>
1: uh, song you first slow dance to. Song I first slow dance to, <laughs> "I'll Be" by Edwin McCain. Solid answer um, uh, Radio listening we asked, We've been asking people if they listen to music on the radio And you're like one of only a handful In the mm-hmm. last 15 or so guests that have said yes to that What does the music industry think about that? Is that on y'all's plate? Country is still huge uh, And hugely relies on country radio gotcha. That's why
0: I think, I think they take. I think they take I don't know if they for sure do But they take number one on country airplay billboard Much more seriously Than pop does or rap does um so country at least for I mean radio at least for country is always going to be massive and I don't know if it's the the fan base is just heritage they love listening to the radio but in my opinion radio like country stations are amazing like their hosts are always great always spot on Um, like you got Bobby Bones who kills it over in Nashville um and he's always trying to introduce new stuff too um, Is
1: it because it resembles what radio used to be more than the other stuff? Because a lot of the stations there isn't even a host. It's maybe. just it's just there's just bumpers and music. It could be that. It could be I'm tired of listening to the radio because it's all this crappy pop nowadays,
0: and I'm not listening to this anymore. Well, rather than country, kind of at least. Most of the time stays the same. I mean, yeah, you'll have a blip where it's bro country or pop country, or they mix an EDM song with country. But I mean, you got Luke Combs in the game now. You got Morgan Wallen, Eric Church. You got um, this new uh, girl who's fantastic. Her name's Haley Witters. She is amazing. You got your Chris Stapleton. Like these are all artists who they're bringing back either '90s country or blues or rock country or just good songwriting. So um, I think that's why a lot of them stay with it too because it. it's not that it hasn't changed, but it's changed for better at some at a certain point.
2: There's also something to be said for I think that in country, the artist is uh, really important mm-hmm. to the to the audience. Yeah. Um, I, I was thinking about less. Uh, and he had said that his daughter, who listens to a lot of pop, oh, you mean Less Stroud, Less Stroud, Less Stroud, the Survivor guy we had on the podcast, yeah, last mm. yeah, the other week. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he was saying his daughter, uh, his daughter will listen to, to songs, and he'll say, "Oh, who is that?" And she'll say, "I don't know. I just like the song." And that's that that makes sense for me in pop because that song might be the only one that sounds like that for that artist. So mm-hmm. you might not even care really about about the rest of their you know their yeah. catalog. But I think
0: another issue with it, too, is that so many pop and rap songs nowadays also sound the same. Right. Like you'll give me one artist, and they, and obviously pop and rap are like the biggest players right now on uh, radio, and especially in live touring. It's the 80s and again. You it's hear it, it's like, oh, it's the same notes, same type beat, and you're like, same sound of voice, but it's a different artist. And I think that also comes into play with it, too. Um, it's just hard. It's hard to decipher Especially with that kind of music, what's going to be a hit and what's not just because one, it either all sounds the same or it's just, it's so easy to get saturated out of there. It's oversaturated market.
2: Right. I think in country that like, if you listen to three different songs back to back from with three different artists, they they can sound, they're, yeah. all, they're all country, but they can sound so different mm-hmm. from song to song. Yeah.
1: We have arrived at the end of the road.
2: How dare you? How dare me? Um, Richard, ask the question. Sure. Okay. Uh, Of the three songs that you brought us today, uh, you have to choose between them the the following three conditions. First, one of them uh, will forever be in public favor, knowledge, and experience. Uh, It'll never kind of disappear. It'll always be popular and and relevant. The, uh, The other song, one of them will be... The only song that you get to listen to for the rest of your life. You will never listen to another song. Um, and then the third will be completely erased from history. It will have not existed. I hate Go. This is <laughs> an extra hard
0: question for you. So, a song that's going to be publicly known forever and people are going to love it. You can save one of your songs. I will say, I will say, stable song, the last one, just so people will understand how good if you bring a symphony with it. Either folk or country or any sort of song. If you do any sort of rendition, and it'll give people a greater appreciation for symphony music as well, because I love symphony music. Hmm. Um, song that I get to keep for the rest of my life.
2: See, the only song you get to it listen becomes to becomes music to you. You know. don't get to listen to other music.
0: Is it all by the same artist? Like, can I listen to other? No, songs? that song. No, that,
1: that song becomes music.
0: Oh that song becomes music. that's that's what is known as music for forever. You. For you for you. <laughs> All right. All right. Um I will do. I'll do uh I'll do record year.
2: Okay. So then de facto Because it was written for me. <laughs> so then so then by default?
0: Yeah, by default.
2: Kill me with what do you try by yeah didn't happen mm-hmm. doesn't well, exist
0: well there's so many
1: great songs by therapy right See, that's, that's what everybody says they're like <laughs> well the world will get by without it yeah um okay uh, before you recommend your three people I forgot I wanted to ask you um you know in your industry like in the company that you work for like what is your dream you know if your trajectory if, if you know if we start going back to the normal business and you keep working your way up the chain like what role is your like this is really what I want to do you know, if I can have my way. If I can have my way, um,
0: I'd probably either work for a festival that I love, as in like a high position, whether it's talent buying or operator or something like that, um, or specifically work on artist development either in an agency, management group, or label, which essentially means um, helping the artist develop their sound that they want to have – how they're going to get marketed and how they, one, how they're going to get signed to by other, um, like whether if, if you're a management development person, um, how they're going to get signed by a label. If you're a label artist development person, then how they're going to get signed by an agency or management group kind of thing. So, um, yeah, huge fan of the artist development track.
1: Okay, well, once you get there and we get bigger, you can feed people to us, yeah, and that's we the can goal. make yeah, that's, we take over. Okay. That's, that's what I would do. Oh yeah. yeah, and there's also a crossover.
0: <laughs> I would love to do crossover stuff. At uh, mm-hmm. our agency has a crossover, which basically means he's the go-to guy if you want to get if like if you want to be in TV. Right. He's right. the guy you contact. He's the one who gets you auditions. So if a person in TV wants to get a record deal. He's the person you contact to talk to labels uh, or talk to agents who know who are close with people in those labels. Like that's a cool gig to me too. That does
1: sound good. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, time to recommend three people that you'll share this with. That I'll share it with. Yeah, you got to share it with them, and then tell them that we want to be you know have them as guests.
0: Okay. Um, First one's first. Andy Brandi, Casagrande, the fourth. That's a person's name. Yes. Isn't it insane? He, I, I chatted with him once. Oh, and like, online. it's four. It's
2: four people's names. Technically, yeah. Mike. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the fourth is the first. <laughs> um, he is the guy who, does, he lives in Naples and he does um, underwater filming for Shark Week.
1: Oh, okay. he's a Shark Week guy.
0: Um, everyone knows him really well. as that kind of guy. And yeah. he's definitely someone I'll send it? some stuff over to him and be like, listen to it. If he actually even looks at my email. Um, another one would probably be, be Harry. Um, Harry or Lance Julian, the guy who do the guys who do uh, Pure Image and also in like Pure Florida the, the tour guide stuff oh, okay. over there. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because um obviously Captain Lance Julian, like he's he works as a marine consultant on films and like apparently right now he's working on some new stuff which is pretty cool. So it'd be cool to talk to him about oh, it. And that sounds great. Yeah. And another third, maybe Kelly Mativia, who used to be my high school T V production teacher. She's pretty cool. Um She's still teaching? Yeah, I think she teaches at Bishop now, or she does something private. Okay. Um, yeah, those would be my three. Okay, well then... Or Eric Raditz, but do I don't know you if you've interviewed a- him. Eric Raditz, Raditz was Eric Raditz was the first person, person we
1: interviewed after the pilot. We mm-hmm. did the pilot with Richard, yep. we shopped it around, they said go for it. We set Richard, um, um, Eric down. We did eight episodes, actually, before we launched, but Eric was the first one. Mm-hmm. So Or,
0: can... here's the fourth one, Mark Drew. Mark Drew. Mr. Drew, he's a teacher at Fort Myers. You don't get four. Really cool. Good. Well, Sorry. I'm gonna get, <laughs> you know, let me go for five.
1: <laughs> Although, you know, who you're, the name that came up who I really would like to get on the show is Jordan uh, Axelrod. Jordan Axrod, yeah. So you don't That'd even have to recommend him because we kind of talked about it a while back, but he's in New York and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Dylan, thank you so much. It's been nice talking to you for more than about five minutes at a time. Yeah, right. It's It's been lovely. Maybe I'll see you in, a, in another booth in another bet, day. I bet you will. Yeah, maybe in Nashville. Okay. Oh, yeah. We yeah, have yeah. plenty of booths if you want to come
0: visit. That'll, that'll, that's where you can stay we'll try to make that happen. Let's do it. Thank Let's you. Let's do it.
1: We make this podcast in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chinqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Callaghan is online content producer and periodic host. Chris Duff is executive producer. Our theme song was created by Dave Dave, Dave, Dave Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. For this week's parting tune, I'm heading back up into the tech booth at the Sydney and Byrne Davis Art Center in downtown Fort Myers for scores of Mondays over the past decade. The Fort Myers Film Festival is more than just a multi-day festival like you would imagine, but also a multi-month thing we call TGIM, or Thank Goodness for Independent Film Monday.
0: I intellectualize, thank God that it's Monday, thank God that it's Monday, thank God that it's Monday, thank that it's Monday. Thank that it's Monday yeah, thank God that it's Monday. Will I love it, will I hate it, will I watch it and debate it, those critics with their movie eyes? Will they make me laugh and they make me cry, some so bad that I want to die, but instead I pass the mic and I intellectualize. God that it's,
1: Monday. it's the first Monday of every month Thank for the six months Monday. or so leading up to the festival, which normally happens God in the spring. We screen short Monday. films that have been submitted Thank to the God festival for Monday. a live audience. It's hosted by Eric Raddatz episode 5 of this podcast and Melissa DeHaven, who will have to get on sooner than later, and preceded by a lively cocktail hour there's a panel of judges and audience interaction after each film it's good times with good people and most evenings start with me turning down the lights and playing this song, the original TGIM theme performed by Elijah Green
2: keep listening One, two, three. Next time on Three Song Stories.